Come in, Ray. Pittman! I saw it, I saw it, I saw it! It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. Don't move. It won't hurt you. Actual physical contact. Can you move? Ray, Ray, come in, please. I feel so funky. Spengler, I'm with Bankman. Oh. You mm. got slime. That's great, Ray. Save some for me. Eat, sleep, links, repeat. Ooh, let's party. your brain big enough. Welcome. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 10, Todd's Adventures in Slime World. And here, once again, is your host, Mark Little. Many thanks, Monty. Hello, hello, hello to all my Linksters out there in podcasting land. I'm coming to you from what I call the Marcade, and I want to welcome you all to the Atari Lynx Handicast. Today I'm taking a close look at a game that one person could play, or two people could play, or even eight people could play on the Atari Lynx at the same time. Part number PA2029, Todd's Adventures in Slime World, developed by Epics Incorporated and published by Atari Corporation. Uh, this episode of the Handicast includes all of the usual segments, vital statistics, credits, gameplay, reviews and ratings, fun facts and trivia, and a bunch of listener feedback. But before we get our feet all wet and gooey, Ooh, I hope it's not under a waterfall. <laughs> and our journey into Slime World can begin, there is a lot of Lynx news that I need to cover for you first. Lynxton. For my first Lynxton note, there are not one, but two. 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 Two mints in one. Projects that consolize the Atari Lynx the first one comes from Star Force Pilot on the Atari Age Lynx forums. He's also known as Marcel Dehan on Facebook. He installed the McWill screen and the VGA output jack into his Lynx one, and then he decided not to stop there. So he created a handy, see what I did there, stand for the Lynx one, and he also installed a DB9 connector on the Lynx to allow an external controller to be used to play games on the static console. 
More recently, he also replaced the battery compartment with a generic rechargeable lithium-ion battery along with a generic variable step-down converter. It's really a clever design, and Starforce Pilot documented his progress in completing the project beautifully with a pictorial essay on his blog page. I highly recommend that my listeners check out the blog, which is linked in the show notes. Well done, Marcel. For my second LinkedIn note, the second Lynx consolization... Is that a word? Or, um, uh, yes, Monty. For the purposes of this podcast, consolization is a word. Okay, okay. I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition! Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as fear, surprise, ruthless vigilance, and almost fanatical devotion to the Pope and nice red uniform. Oh, damn <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying, the second consolization is a joint project from YouTube channel Retro Revolutions, Historic Nerd, Extreme Consoles, and Neon Vision in response to a challenge from the Press Play on Tape podcast. Uh, This project involved taking an old 4-switch Woody Atari VCS or 2600 console, gutting it, and rebuilding it to accept Lynx cartridges with an HDMI output display. The console has also been trimmed in new bright yellow paint, and the result is really quite breathtaking. Uh, There are three parts to the video, all of which can be found linked in the Lynx links. Linksters, watch them. For my third LinkedIn note, Songbird Productions, a 20-year provider of original and re-release aftermarket Lynx game cartridges, has restarted production and distribution of several homebrew and aftermarket game cartridges many of which have been out of production for years. Among the titles that are now available on the Songbird website are Championship Rally, Crystal Mines 2 Buried Treasure, Cybervirus, Lexus, Loops, Ponks, Remnant PW3D, and SFX. Carl Forehan at Songbird confirms that all orders from now on will, for the first time, include curved lip-style cartridges instead of the usual PCBs they've sold for years. He did say that some titles can still be had in PCBs by request while supplies last, and he also told me that they're still packaged in CD jewel cases, but with better quality labels and inserts this time around. Also, as of this recording, Songbird still has a limited number of copies available of the Super Fighter Team classic homebrew title, Zaku, considered one of the best games for the Atari Lynx ever. It goes without saying that Carl Forehan at Songbird is definitely helping out a whole new crop of Lynx collectors to add to their game collections, so kudos to him for ramping up production again on titles that would have been unobtainium. Is that even a word? Uh, yes it is, Monty. Anyway, interested Linksters should check with the Songbird Productions website to place their orders. A link to the website can be found in the Lynx links. For LinkedIn note number four... AtariGamer.com is reporting that German company LuxSoft, publisher of such classic homebrew titles as Hanoi, Ejag Fest Slideshow, Alpine Games, Yastuna, The Alchemy of Cubes, 2017's Reiko's Robot Run Always Winter Never Christmas cartridge, and the just-released Unseen cartridge, is planning to release a new title, Space Wars, sometime soon. In addition, Luke's apparently plans to move ahead with previously announced plans to re-release the beta phase game's title, Quadromania. You can check the status of the Luke's soft releases by going to their website, which is linked in the show notes. For LinkedIn note number five, the interest in the Atari Lynx continues to climb as the console is being recognized more and more by retro game collectors. 
evidence of this growing interest is the continued development and production of new homebrew titles. Several sources, AtariGamer.com, Atari Age, and Kieran Hawken of RetroGamer Magazine, have recently published news about no less than six new homebrew game projects for the Lynx. The first one is a new isometric RPG game called Lockheim's Legacy, in development, in development by Martin Wendt, Camille Wolnikowski, and Dan Thorison. The second one is a new Joust Donkey Kong-style platformer called Bentley Bear's Honey Hunt, currently in development by Benjamin Muse. The third one is a port of the classic SNES action title Bomberman, entitled Bomber Cats, now being developed by Atari Agers Lord Kraken and Turbo Laser Lynx. The fourth one is a horizontal scrolling space action shooter called Captain Harlinks, being developed by Albine Marlier. The fifth one is an action shooter called Grime 6502, in development by Chibi Akuma. And the sixth one is a version of Italian checkers called Dama, by Atari Ager M. Virtual, that, after a year and a half, is near completion. With these six new homebrew games, along with the previously mentioned eight new and re-released titles from LukeSoft, together with the distribution of no less than ten previous aftermarket and homebrew titles by Songbird Productions, there will have been at least 24 Atari Lynx games planned or in production during the course of 2018 and 2019. There can be no doubt now that the 29-year-old Atari Lynx console, along with its still-expanding game library, is experiencing a renaissance of popularity. And this Lynxster, for one, is very happy about that indeed. Well, can't sit around all day waiting for the ooze and muck to seep up around my feet. Let's explore today's game, Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Well, you look nice, I guess. So do you. Here, I got you this. Oh, thanks, Todd. Oh, this is really beautiful, Todd. It's a wrist corsage. You wear it on your wrist. <laughs> this is your graduation gift from me. Really? that you ordered. Ah, sent away for those, didn't you? Quit it, pizza face. You messed up my hair. Why are you ever immature? Say, uh, there are any new developments? What? <laughs> I guess not. Say, so, you know, you really ought to put some band-aids on those mosquito bites you got. That's so funny, I forgot to laugh. <laughs> Vital Statistics. Todd's Adventures in Slime World was originally scheduled to be released by Atari Corporation in July of 1990, but it didn't actually appear on store shelves until at least October of that year. The initial retail price of the game was $34.99 US. It is the penultimate game that I'll be covering in the Handicast that originally began development at Epics Incorporated. The final Epics developed game that I'll be covering is Zarlor Mercenary which will be coming up in the next episode of the Handicast, episode 11. Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a 128 kilobyte stereo game released originally in a curved lip style cartridge. It is a multi-level platform game for one player or for two to eight players using the Comlinks cable. The screenplay field orientation for Todd's Adventures in Slime World is landscape or horizontal. Todd's Adventures in Slime World was ported to two other systems, the Sega, Sega! 
Genesis and the TurboGrafx-16 or PC Engine, both in 1992. There were no sequels produced for Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The game is broken up into 12 levels or adventures. Number 1 is Easy, Number 2 Exploration, Number 3 Action, Number 4 Suspense, Number 5 Logic, and for Number 6 either Arcade for single player games or Combat for multiplayer games. Packaging. The carton for Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a regular sized, full color, standard flap tab style carton. 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep. The background for the carton front cover is black. Most of the cover is taken up by an illustration of a young man, I assume it's Todd, in the middle posing in a running stance. He has disheveled yellow hair and he's wearing a golden yellow flight jacket and dark purple pants and he's carrying an assault gun of some type. Behind him, in the light teal-colored background, are several snarling purple monsters with large mouths and cat-like eyes. They are all positioned in a cave that is flooded with a pool of teal and purple-colored slime, and there is also slime dripping down the cave walls behind them. Superimposed across the top of the cover art is the title. In small black capital block lettering are the words Todd's Adventures In. Below that, in large golden yellow dripping capital letters, is the word Slime with a small black TM to the upper right. Then below slime is the word world in large red block capital letters stylized inside each letter with bubbles. Across the bottom of the carton, not the top this time as is usually the case, is the standard Lynx logo gray and black cartouche. I've described this cartouche in all of the previous episodes of the Handicast, so I'll only mention its carton placement in this and all future episodes. I'm sure every Linkster knows what the Lynx logo cartouche looks like by now. Correct mundo, Monty. Well, next to the cartouche, at the bottom left, against the black background, is the Atari Fuji logo. And finally, next to the cartouche at the bottom right of the carton, is a yellow triangular banner with the words 1 to 8 players in black block lettering, with the Lynx broken font lettering in black below that, then the word up in broken font lettering in black below that. All of the verbiage in the yellow triangle is oriented facing upwards at a 45 degree angle. The back of the carton for Todd's Adventures in Slime World looks like this. The background is white with a thin yellow frame surrounding most of the graphics and verbiage. Across the top, straddling the upper horizontal bar of the yellow frame is a small version of the title in the same lettering style as that on the front of the carton. Below that are two side-by-side -side screenshots from the game. The left screenshot depicts Todd shooting his gun at an alien while inside a slime cave, and the right screenshot shows Todd flying through the cave with a jetpack. Below the screenshots in yellow block italicized lettering is the caption, It's melt or be melted. Below that in black lettering is the following paragraph. You are Todd, the explorer of new worlds. It's your adventure to travel deep into Slime World, the gooeyest, drippiest place around. There are scary blobs to shoot and lots of objects and weapons to find. Link up with up to seven of your fellow Slimers for an awesome multiplayer adventure. Beneath that paragraph in slightly larger black lettering is the bullet point up to eight player Comlinks capability. Below that is a smaller version of the Atari Lynx logo cartouche. It is straddling the lower horizontal bar of the yellow frame. Finally, at the lower left of the back of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo in black. At the bottom center of the carton is the following copyright information. Atari, the Atari logo, Comlinks, and Lynx are trademarks of Atari Corporation. Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a trademark of Epics Incorporated, copyright 1990, Epics Incorporated. 
licensed to Atari Corporation, copyright 1990, Atari Corporation, Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302. Finally, at the bottom center of the carton back, all rights reserved, printed in Hong Kong, made in China. Then, as usual, the official seal of the FBI is depicted on the right bottom of the carton, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, winners don't use drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. Printed on the upper left inside tab of my carton are the numbers CA400419-029 and C3981002029. Finally, printed on the bottom left inside tab of my carton is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but the number 10 is missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1990, obviously the year of printing, and above the circle are the initials GC. Based on what I found out at the Video Game Variations website about Atari VCS or 2600 game cartons, GC was apparently one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among 2600 game collectors as the Red Box Cartons. This makes sense as the letters GC appear in almost all of the printed materials, cartons, booklet manuals, and posters for the Atari published Lynx titles during that time. By the way, there was also a carton for Todd's Adventures in Slime World released in French and one released in Japanese, plus there was also a blister pack marketed. All three of these carton variations are a bit harder to find though, at least here in North America. The Manual The instruction manual for Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a stapled, regular-sized booklet in monochrome, measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. There are 24 pages in the manual, including the front and back covers. Across the top of the front page of the manual is the standard Atari Lynx logo, outlined as usual in light red, it's almost pink, with the Atari Fuji logo bracketing the Lynx logo at the left. Below the logo are the words Video Game Manual. Down the right hand side of the manual is a gray vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's. The remaining cover art is a monochrome version of the carton cover art with the title Slime Trademark World superimposed over the top of the cover art in the same logo lettering as the front of the carton. Interestingly, the title on the front of the manual does not include the words Todd's Adventures In. In a related note, many early references to the game prior to its release use only the title Slime World, and I would not be surprised to learn that Slime World alone might have been the originally planned title or working title for the game. The inside of the front cover of the manual is blank. The next page includes two paragraphs of boilerplate info about the accuracy of the printed manual, followed by the Atari Corporation and Epics Incorporated copyright information. The next page after that includes the table of contents. Then the page after that, labeled page 1, includes the heading SLIME ALERT with three exclamation points. Throughout page 1 and on to the middle of page 2 are the following paragraphs. You are Todd, a bold and nearly fearless galactic explorer. Whether you are by yourself or part of a two to eight man crew, you like nothing better than planets full of weird and dangerous creatures. On an exploration mission in the Andromeda sector, you discover a mysterious drifting starship. You board the deserted ship and retrieve part of the captain's log. The log describes Slime World, a planet teeming with slimy, gooey, disgusting life forms. You only have the first section of each date's entry, so the information is maddeningly incomplete. But when you reach the first reference to valuable slime gems, 
you immediately order the Android Copilot to set in a course for Slime World. When you arrive, you discover that Murphy's Law works overtime on Slime World. Whatever can go wrong does go wrong. In many adventures, a new and exciting monkey wrench is thrown into the gears, and every misadventure is populated with maggots, jewels, and other revolting creatures. In one adventure, you discover that there is only one escape capsule, and it's a one-seater. Unfortunately, there are more crew members than there are seats. Will you get to it first, or will you be stranded forever with nothing but slime balls for neighbors? Slip and slide your way through six complex solo adventures and, if you are comlinxed, six challenging multiplayer adventures. Try not to get slimed and keep those aliens from getting stuck to your face. The bottom of page 2 through the middle of page 5 includes the getting started instructions, the optional game controls, and how to access the on-screen game instructions, which I'll provide for you in the playing the game segment. Beginning in the middle of page 5, under the journal, is the following narration. Todd swiveled his chair to face the computer screen after giving the Android Copilot the coordinates for Slime World. Then he asked the ship's computer, Hey, Morty, are you sure you can't retrieve any more of those files? There was a pause and a voice issued from the terminal. Positive, boss. It looks like the entire ship was exposed to some bizarre magnetic phenomena. An electromagnetic radiation beam, maybe. Real Buck Rogers stuff, you know? I'm surprised there's any intact data at all. Todd sighed. Okay, Morty, show me what you have. You say that the journal entries were recorded by voice recorder and transcribed into text files? That's right, Morty said. The guy was talking into his microphone as he was walking through the slime. Gross. Spare me the editorial and start again at the beginning. Sure, boss. The first journal entry displayed on the illuminated screen. What follows in the manual are brief transcripts of each of the 12 journal entries, interspersed with a dialogue back and forth between Todd and the android co-pilot Morty. Come on, Morty. Make up your mind. Wow, Monty. That's a very obscure movie quote. But extra points for you for including another Bill Murray quote. Cheers, mate. Uh, I won't bore you with the entries or adventures themselves. I'll just list them. Confederation date 3042.3.14, first solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3042.3.18, second solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3042.5.20, third solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3043.1.3, fourth solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3043.3.14, Hey, that's Pi. Fifth solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3043.6.8, sixth solo landing, Slime World. Confederation date 3044.10.8, first expedition with crew, Slime World. Confederation date 3045.1.27, second expedition with crew, Slime World. Confederation date 3045.2.5, third expedition with crew, Slime World. Confederation date 3045.10.3, fourth expedition with new crew, Slime World. Confederation date 3045.10.17, fifth expedition with crew, Slime World. And Confederation date 3046.10.24, sixth expedition with crew, Slime World. After each of the journal entries in this manual, there is dialogue between Todd and Morty that I won't bother reading out here either. One thing I do wonder about 
regarding the confederation dates for each adventure though. Does the game take place over the course of over four and a half years as the confederation dates would indicate? And if so, are they Earth years or Slime World years? The world may never know. Page 17 of the manual outlines the points awarded for defeating slime creatures and collecting tools or gems, all under the heading of scoring. I'll describe both the creatures and the tools and gems in the playing the game segment coming up later. Pages 18 and 19 are blank. And finally, the back cover of the manual is mostly blank except for the Atari Fuji logo at the bottom with the Atari Corporation 1990 copyright information beneath. Now I have two manuals for Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The first copy I have includes at the very bottom of the back cover, printed in Hong Kong, then G.C.4.1992. I guess it's from April of 1992. And then C398102-029 Revision A. The second copy I have of the manual provides the date 10.1990 confirming that the original release date of the game, October of 1990. Both of my manuals are otherwise identical. And as far as I can determine, the manual for Todd's Adventures in Slime World released in the United States was available in an English version only. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Meet Mark Summers, a man with an obsession. I dare you to hula hoop while I throw water balloons at you! Is Mark Summers a sick man? I dare you to smash one of these mechanical toys with a mallet while blindfolded! Is Mark Summers just really weird? I dare you to shave this balloon! No! He's the host of Double Dare, the wildest, messiest, most outrageous game show on TV. Weekdays at 5.30, 4.30 Central, only on Nickelodeon. Critics. Todd's Adventures in Slime World was originally created and programmed by Peter Engelbright, sometimes known as M. Peter Engelbright, during his time at Epix Incorporated. Epix was the creator of the handy handheld console that later became the Atari Lynx. I think most Lynxsters know that about Epix already. Uh, yes. Thanks all the same, Monty, but it doesn't hurt to remind everyone. Anyway, Engelbright worked on two other Lynx titles while at Epix. He created levels for the game I covered in the last episode, Chip's Challenge, and he also created and programmed the well-known space shoot-'em-up Gates of Zendokan, a game I covered in episode 04 of the Handicast. In addition, he worked as a programmer while at Epix on Summer Games, Winter Games, and California Games, all for the Atari VCS, or 2600. Engelbright stated in Kieran Hawkins' 2017 interview in issue 164 of Retro Gamer Magazine that, I saw that many of the movies for kids around that time had at least some slime in them. It seemed to be the current craze. So the object was to provide a game that would make the kids go, ooh, but doesn't have the blood and guts that parents would object to. Thanks go to Kieran Hawkins of the Laird's Lair YouTube channel for providing me with a copy of his Retro Gamer article. Artwork for Todd's Adventures in Slime World was created by Matthew Crysdale, Philip Vaughn, and Peter Engelbright. In addition to Slime World, Crysdale also provided artwork and or graphics for three other Lynx titles, Electrocop, California Games, and Zarlor Mercenary. He currently works at EA, or Electronic Arts, 
on their NBA and NFL titles. And Philip Vaughn, sometimes called Phil Vaughn, also created artwork for the Lynx game Xenophobe. The sound design for Todd's Adventures in Slime World was completed by Christopher Grigg. Besides this game, Grigg was also the sound engineer for Xenophobe, and he also provided music and created levels for Zarlower Mercenary. The music for Todd's Adventures in Slime World is credited to Eric Van Rie, although Peter Engelbright's on-the-fly coding certainly contributed to it as well. There is no record of any other Lynx titles that include music by Van Rie. He was later a writer and arranger for Reader Rabbit's Sing-Along Favorites, a cassette compilation for kids that was produced by The Learning Company in 1996. Finally, according to the on-screen credits, testing for Todd's Adventures in Slime World was completed by Secret Underground Labs. I can find no information about them, which is a shame because I bet the stories that the employees there could tell would be really interesting. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. You ever sit around the house and wonder, hey, what's going on with news or anything exciting? I do. I do. How about if you sat around the house and you thought, hey, what movies are out right now? Or what does somebody have for show and tell? If you've ever wondered any of that, you can listen to our show, Please Stand By. And come along with us as we journey down all of those items to tell you what's going on with us. Because you care about us. (laughs) As you should. Right. Or you better. (laughs) www.zerbinator.wordpress.com Come by there for all your podcasting needs. Playing the game. After installing the Todd's Adventures in Slime World cartridge and pressing the on button, a silent static screen appears. The words Todd's Adventures in appears in the upper left of the screen in purple lettering, with slime in yellow letters and world in pink letters below that. The copyright info appears below the title in light orange lettering. Copyright 1990, Epics Incorporated, licensed to Atari Corp. Most of the screen is taken up with a vibrant graphic of Todd, in a bright blue pantsuit, standing on a green outcropping of slime, pointing his gun towards the upper left. He is surrounded by several monsters that will be encountered later in the game. At the bottom right of the screen, in white lettering, is the phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs. After a few seconds, this screen is replaced by an animated title screen. Todd's Adventures In appears on the top of the screen in white capital letters, followed immediately by a morphing animation of the word slime in dripping, stylized lettering. Then the word world in large brownish block letters drops down from the top. Throughout the sequence can be heard the ubiquitous beeping soundtrack of the game.
At the bottom of the screen, the copyright info and credits cycle through in brown capital lettering. Pressing either the A or B button clears the screen and brings up the first adventure description screen. After a choice is made from the available adventures, the description screen is replaced with an appropriate opening animation for the adventure chosen. By the way, the Todd being controlled in multiplayer games is the one with blonde hair as it appears to the controlling player. And to the other controlling players, the other Todds appear with black hair. I guess blondes do have more fun. The adventure description screens then appear against a dark blue background with faint greenish slime dripping from the top. Across the first screen and all subsequent screens is a brief description of the adventure in blue block capital lettering, capped on top by the adventure title and number in magenta. After a choice is made from the available adventures, the description screen is replaced by an animation of Todd or Todd's in multiplayer games landing in Slime World, either in his pod-like spaceship or via a jetpack or jetpacks, then entering the gooey subterranean environment below thus beginning the adventure. Each adventure uses different animation to match the environment in which Todd will be exploring. Here are how the six adventures are described on screen. Adventure 1. They say that this part of Slime World is easier than others, but it is still dangerous. Find the exit. Below on the bottom left is the word easy. At the bottom right of this and every adventure screen in smaller blue lettering are the directions. Joypad equals select and A slash B equals start. Then the next screen says, Adventure number two. The ship was destroyed in orbit. A rescue ship has been called, but you have to get to it first. Below on the bottom left is the word exploration. The next screen says, Adventure number three. The ship was destroyed in orbit over the worst part of the slime world. You must find the rescue ship. Below on the bottom left is the word action. The next screen says, Adventure number four. Slime world is about to melt. Find mushrooms to delay meltdown by one minute. Find the exit. Below on the bottom left is the word suspense. The next screen says, Adventure number five. Your ship has been damaged and your gun is useless. You have only your wits to save you from certain doom. Below on the bottom left is the word logic. The next screen says, this time with white block capital lettering, Adventure number six. There are no restarts in this adventure, so just get as far as you can. Below on the bottom left is the word arcade, or in multiplayer games, combat. In either one player or multiplayer mode, if no adventure is chosen, then the next screen says, Summary. This is a brief description of Slime World and how to play it. Below that on the bottom right are the same select and start instructions as on the other screens. Note again that there is no mention of Todd's adventures in. The summary screen uses only the title Slime World. The next screen says in white block capital lettering across the center, Slime World, again without Todd's adventures in. Then across the bottom of this screen and all subsequent screens are the directions. Up equals next page, down equals previous page, and A slash B equals done. The next screen says, Slime World is the story of an adventurer, a discoverer of new worlds, Todd. Todd finds a world made entirely of slime and goo. The next screen says, The game of Slime World is divided into six adventures. Each adventure is a complete game in itself. The next screen says, In the logic adventure, the tools, monsters, etc. are restored after you die. The next screen says, 
Todd is the hero of the story. Use left and right to walk. Use up and down to climb. Down to get objects. There is a small graphic of Todd on the upper right of this screen in a blue jumpsuit and wearing a blaster on his back. The next screen says, Press button A to fire your water gun. Press button B to jump. Holding the joypad changes how you jump. The same graphic of Todd appears in the upper right corner of the screen. The next screen says, Press option 1 to select the tool that you want to use. Press option 2 to actually use the tool that you've selected. Again, the Todd graphic remains stationary in the upper right of the screen. The next screen says, As you get hurt, you will slowly turn greener and greener. Eventually you will explode and be sent back. You lose score and tools. The same graphic of Todd appears in the upper right corner of the screen, but this time he is completely green. The next screen says, If you are playing a Comlinks game, your player will always have yellow hair. Some adventures play differently in Comlinks mode. The blue graphic of Todd reappears to the upper corner of the screen. The next screen says, In some adventures you can view the other players after finishing by using button A. Your map also works. The graphic of Todd no longer appears in this screen. The next screen says, in the logic adventure, the tools, monsters, etc. are restored after you die. The next batch of screens includes graphic representations of the various environments, monsters, tools, and gems that Todd will encounter during gameplay. The first screen in this batch says, Normal slime. This is the ground that you walk on. In the upper right of the screen is a graphic of a green outcropping in one of the caves, dripping with green goo. The next screen says, Slippery slime. Walk on this and you slide. You can't climb it. In the upper right of the screen is a graphic of a blue outcropping from one of the caves. The next screen says, Sticky slime. This will slow you down. You can't jump off it. In the upper right of the screen is a graphic of a brownish-orange outcropping in one of the caves, dripping with goo of the same colors. The next screen says, Bouncy slime. Jump on it and you bounce. In the upper right of the screen is a graphic of a red and yellow outcropping in one of the caves, dripping with goo. The next screen says, Door. This lets you travel from room to room. In the upper right of the screen is a graphic of a green vertical portal in the shape of an hourglass. The next screen says, Secret door. This is usually in the floor of, or the ceiling. It looks like normal slime. It acts like a door. There are no graphics on this screen. The next screen says, Super secret door. It looks like normal slime. It acts like normal slime. Shoot it and it vanishes. Again, there are no graphics on this screen. The next screen says, Moving slime. Looks like normal slime, but is in constant motion. Get in its way and you die. There are no graphics on this screen. The next screen says, Exit. Jump up into this to finish the game. There is a graphic on the upper right of the screen depicting a green concave portal, flat on top and curved upwards on the bottom. The next screen says, Restart. This is where you come back after you die. You will hear the music change when you pass one. And there is a graphic of a group of white stars pictured in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The next screen says, Water pool. Stand still in this and wash to be healed. And there is a graphic of a group of blue pools of water surrounded by green slime pictured in the upper center of the screen. The next screen says, Slime pool. You can walk in it, but it hurts you. And there is a graphic in the top center of the screen of the same pool as before, but it's green instead of blue. The next screen says, Energy barrier. If you touch it, you will not be harmed by it, but tools in your pack are ruined, except for the map. You can't kill it. And there is a graphic of a group of what looks like large red or green snowflakes pictured in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The next screen says, Slime Falls, a waterfall of mucus. Only the hard lumps hurt you. 
and there is a graphic of plummeting gobs of green goo pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says gun power up. This makes your gun shoot triple for several shots. Works immediately. And there is a graphic of a vertical blue and white canister grooved on the sides with a red diamond on top pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says slime bait. Throw this and it will attract many monsters. And there is a graphic of a shiny blue sphere pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says slime shield protects you from being slimed for a while. And there is a graphic of a squat blue and white canister with a small red dome on top pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says mega bomb. Toss this into a room and it blows up. You get score for monsters you kill, not the gems you destroy. And there is a graphic of a small sphere with a straight white fuse with a red tip pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says cleanser. Throw it into a slime pool and the pool will change into water. And there is a graphic of a little green, blue and white canister pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says slime shield. Protects you from being slimed for a while. And there is a graphic of a squat blue and white canister with a small red dome on top pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says jetpack. Use this to fly. No duh. You can't pick up anything or shoot while flying. Press option 2 to stop flying. And there is a graphic of what looks like a light blue dumbbell pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says slime gun. Causes your gun to shoot slime for several shots or until you wash. Comlinks mode only. Works immediately. And there is a graphic of a small blue and white speckled square pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says computer map. Displays all explored rooms. Option 2 to stop. White equals air. Black equals ground. Green equals slime pool. And blue equals water pool. The next screen says pop. Use this if you are absolutely stuck. It is just like turning to green. The next screen says show score. Displays your score for a short time. The next screen says slime gem. Worth lots of points and cleans you up a little. And there is a graphic of a blue cone with a white sparkle on top pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says Super Slime Gem, worth huge points. It cleans you up, powers up your gun, and starts the shield. Don't shoot it. And there is a graphic of a red cone with a white sparkle on top, pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says Mushroom, restabilizes slime world to keep it from melting. Adds one minute, up to five minutes. And there is a graphic of a small green mushroom with red spots pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says Boogers. When monsters die, they sometimes explode in a shower of boogers. If a booger hits you, it sticks. It comes off in water. And there is a graphic of flying projectile of green goo pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says red boogers. These happen when blood flies die. Red boogers kill you even if you have your shield on. And there is a graphic of a flying projectile of red goo pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says drip. They drip from the roof. They sting, but they don't stick. And there is a graphic of a dripping green and yellow dollop of goo pictured in the upper right hand corner of the screen. The next screen says Monsters. Slime World has 19 different types of monsters. You will discover their strengths and weaknesses. And the next three screens list the monsters. Snapper, Hidden Snapper, Octospid, Red Eyes, Maggots, Drools, Flyhead, Groach, Spitter, Tapeworm, Scab, Bloodfly, Zit, Mildew, Headsucker, Blob, Cyclops, Geyser, and Bloodgroach. The next screen says, The End. And the next screen after that says, Restart in purple lettering. 
Then in light blue lettering, start a game in the middle using a restart code from a previous game. This code is seen during pause mode. Then the final screen lists the current six-digit score in white with large dollops of green and white ooze dripping downward in the background. A uh, special note, if adventure number six is being played in multiplayer mode and all of the players are killed during the play of that level, the game ends because there are no restarts in this level. Then a tight shot of Todd appears face on with his mouth moving up and down and a scrolling dialogue balloon above his head that reads, you have died in the line of duty. Condolences will be sent to your next of kin. The final accumulated score appears above the dialogue balloon in white. And if the player or players successfully complete an adventure, an animation of Todd emerging from the subterranean world of slime and taking off appears, either in his pod-like spaceship or via a jetpack. The next screen shows a tight shot of Todd face-on with his mouth moving up and down and a scrolling dialogue balloon above his head that reads, Congratulations for your brave struggle against slime. And the final accumulated score appears above the dialogue balloon in white. And that, not so briefly, is how you play Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Hey, Mr. Block, can I go to the bathroom? Two minutes. Introducing Lynx from Atari, the color video game you can get away with. Well, sometimes. Reviews and Ratings Generally, the reviews for Todd's Adventures in Slime World ran from good to excellent, with one notable bad review. As always, links to the complete reviews and ratings can be found in the Links Links section of the show notes. Here are some highlights of the reviews I've found. The review crew in issue number 12 of Electronic Gaming Monthly Magazine provides these ratings and reviews for Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Steve gave the game a rating of 5 out of 10, saying that it shows a lot of potential early on, especially in the graphic development and detail on the links. The music is grating, and while there's a lot to explore, it's never much fun. Ed gave the game a 6 out of 10, saying, This game is filled with expansive worlds to explore and highly detailed graphics. Although the game isn't exactly coming at an intense pace, and the control is less than responsive, there is shooting and jumping and a lot to interact with, though. Martin gave Slime World a 7 out of 10, saying that it's a completely original and quite expansive game for the Lynx. A variety of backgrounds with animated rivers of slime add to the visual appeal of the game. The music is a sore spot, but the gameplay is interesting enough to please most. And finally, Sushi X gave the game an 8 out of 10, saying that it's the perfect blend of search and destroy. Slime World has great graphics with incredible detail. You can actually see the slime coating your soldier. The game suffers from poor round definition, but all in all, it's great. In the November 1990 issue of the British video game magazine Rays, Reviewer Marshall Rosenthal said this about Todd's adventures in Slime World. Slime World is the kind of game where you dig in with both hands and get really dirty, which you will, 
and have a great time in doing so. I recommend that you read his review, a PDF of which at archive.org can be found in the links links in the show notes. In the December 1990 issue of the Atari ST magazine Start, reviewer Clayton Walnum describes Todd's adventures in Slime World as wonderfully gross, adding that with hidden rooms, secret doors, and slippery, sticky, bouncy, moving slime floors, Slime World comes up a guaranteed hit. A PDF of the full review at archive.org can be found linked in the links links. A review by Keita Aida at Atari HQ summarizes Todd's Adventures in Slime World this way. For fans of adventure games, Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a no-brainer. Most games for portable systems, links included, are of the action variety, since the attention span in playing handhelds is obviously less than with a home TV console. This cart shines in both categories, like Metroid did, in combining the best elements of both, and it's a fine showcase for the full range of the Lynx's hardware capabilities. Vivid graphics, an engaging storyline, and the multiplayer replayability factor make this a must-have title for Lynx owners. Keita gives a rating of 7 out of 10 for graphics, 7 for sound, 9 for gameplay, and 9 for an overall rating, and the entire review is linked in the Lynx links. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Todd's Adventures in Slime World ends with this verdict. Todd's Adventures in Slime World will appeal mostly to players who enjoy the idea of exploring every nook and cranny of its vast, gooey terrain. For others, however, the appeal is not as distinct. Depending on personal preferences and the availability of friends, the value of this card will vary significantly. Jung gives the game a rating of 7 out of 10, or good, and his full review is hyperlinked in the links links. Daniel Thomas, in his 2000 review at Game FAQ, prefaces his long review with this about Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Here is a clever, imaginative game that literally oozes with curiosity and invention. He rates the game 5 hearts out of 5, flawless, and the full review can be found linked in the links links in the show notes. I debated whether to include this next item as a review or simply as a link for information. It's actually an installment of an online column called Pixel Journeys on the no longer updated Game Set Watch website. The columnist, John Harris, covered Todd's adventures in Slime World in 2009. The column was an extensive overview of the innovations of the game, but it is clear that Harris more or less reviews the game as well. I would highly recommend reading it, as it may give players of Slime World, especially first-timers, some much-needed hints and insight into how the game can be played. Check it out in the links links in the show notes. The video game critic, in his 2013 review of Todd's Adventures in Slime World, gave the game an outright panning, giving it an F- and using words such as reprehensible, tortuous, and uninteresting. He even resorted to using a curse word to describe players of the game. The reviewer obviously has some pent-up anger issues and a very closed mind, if I may be allowed to say so, and his F- grade stands in stark contrast to nearly universal praise for the game, even on his own website. 51 of his readers gave the game an average grade of B+. If you want to waste your time reading it, his complete review can be found in the links links. Last but not least, John McQueen, in his 2018 review of Todd's Adventures in Slime World on AtariGamer.com, gave the game an overall rating of 8 out of 10. 
Here's his summary. Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a quality, fun game for people who like platformers with their own style. It's visually impressive and has real longevity. Sure, it's disgusting at times, but you have lots of laughs, barreling your way through those tight corridors, shooting or avoiding aliens that should have probably stayed in some game designer's nightmare. So, what are pistols out? Todd's here, and he's ready to rumble. As I state in every episode, you can find a link to his full 2018 review on AtariGamer.com in the links links in the show notes. Mark's Review Todd's Adventures in Slime World holds a special place in my heart. First, based on almost all the reviews, it was one of the first games I really wanted to get after I purchased my Lynx console in early 2017. Second, because of my eagerness to acquire Slime World and the fact that my wife Lizzie knew of my eagerness, she bought it for me for my birthday in April that year. Third, the day after my birthday, I played it for an hour or so, something I rarely do for such a length of time, and achieved a personal best high score for the game. In short, I love Slime World. It is an extremely addictive and well-done game. Here's what I like. Despite what some may consider the sluggishness of the gameplay, the game still moves along at a brisk pace with plenty of monsters and power-ups to keep one engaged. The controls are responsive, if not always quick enough to avoid getting covered in deadly goo. I like that the game has so much depth, despite the claustrophobic environment. The games are immense and seem never-ending, which makes the exploration of Slime World so much more engrossing which was actually the ultimate goal of the developers. It's not so much about the points you accrue, it's about the journey to get those points that matter, at least for me. And if one wants to play the game for a short while instead of completing a given adventure, there's plenty of fun doing that too. What I don't like. Well, there's not much music during gameplay, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker for me. Still, a little tune here or there to put some polish on the game would have been welcome. And although I generally like the sound effects, which are effective and appropriately gross, some of the incessant chirping of some of the monsters can be a bit disconcerting. However, despite those small drawbacks, I really do like the game and I play it regularly. So here's how many links out of five that I'm giving Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Gameplay, five links. Graphics, four links. Controls, four links. Music, three links. Sound effects, five links. And my overall rating, 4.2 links out of five. And that's it for reviews for this episode. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Do you believe in ghosts? Not those cute cartoon ghosts that look like fluffy bedsheets. And not the dancing spirits you might see on a magic midsummer's night. But real ghosts. Big city ghosts. Foul, stinking, hostile troublemakers who don't have the decency to lie down when they're dead. Well, they're out there. And someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. disaster of biblical proportion real wrath of god type stuff exactly. fire and brimstone coming down from the sky seas and rivers boiling human sacrifice dogs and cats living together mass hysteria the brave the best the only ghostbusters
Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. Facts and Trivia Prices at Online Auctions Single loose cartridges of Todd's Adventures in Slime World on eBay. There were 11 loose carts ranging in price from $13.86 to $17.28, averaging $15.17. Single cartridge manual combos on eBay. There were four ranging in price from $9.95 to $24.99, averaging $15.73. Single CIBs on eBay, 10 listings were sold, ranging in price from $15.50 to $39.99, averaging $29.59. Single manuals only on eBay, there was one listing that sold for $5.72. Single cartons only on eBay, there was one listing that sold for $14.99. Loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay. There was one lot that included a working Lynx 2 console, a carrying case, and loose carts of Todd's Adventures in Slime World, Shadow of the Beast, and Stun Runner, all for $110. There was also a Todd's Adventures in Slime World collectible pin that sold from Germany on eBay for an unknown best offer under $23.11. At PriceCharting.com, The averages for Todd's Adventures in Slime World were $10.75 for a loose cartridge, $42 for a CIB, $65.12 new, $16.80 for a carton only, and $10.50 for a manual only. Digital Press gives a value of $5 for a loose cartridge of Todd's Adventures in Slime World. RarityGuide.com gives Todd's Adventures in Slime World a value of $13 for a new inbox copy, $5 $5 for a complete inbox copy, and $2 for a loose cartridge. Prices at other retailers. BNC Computer Visions in the U.S. The price list systems at BNC crashed on August 3, 2018, and they still have not been restored as of this record date. Best Electronics is selling CIB copies of Todd's Adventures in Slime World for $14.95 and loose carts for $9.95. But keep in mind that the price list has not been updated since May 31st, 2018, so they may be out of stock by now. The Gamesman in Australia was not selling Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The Goat Store has a cartridge only of Todd's Adventures in Slime World on sale for $19.94. Telegames in the UK has copies of Todd's Adventures in Slime World for sale at £14.99 or $19.89 US. Hmm, 1989, what a good year that was. They do not specify, however, whether it's a loose cart, a carton manual combo, or a CIB or NIB copy. Video 61 and Atari Sales does not have any copies of Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Rarity. Atari Age gives Todd's Adventures in Slime World a rarity score of 2, which is common plus. Almost ubiquitous as common, but may vary slightly from collector to collector. Even beginning collectors can find almost all of these without much difficulty. AtariGamer.com gives Todd's Adventures in Slime World a rarity score of 21 out of 100, which is common. A little harder to find and starting to get some rarity. Both the French and the blister pack cartons of this game gets a rarity score of 28. 
which is also common. And the Japanese carton version of the game gets a rarity score of 34, which is uncommon. Starting to get difficult to find, but still accessible. Digital Press gives Todd's Adventures in Slime World a rarity score of R2. You can find these titles just about anywhere, too, but they're slightly less common, perhaps in certain areas. RarityGuide.com gives a rarity score of 26% out of 100% to Todd's Adventures in Slime World. High scores. Here are the recorded high scores for Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Highscore.com for adventure number one on original hardware. The high score is 20,630,100 by Swaggers of Asbury, Iowa on January 31st, 2018. And in emulation, the high score is 474,800 by S.Baz in Eugene, Oregon on January 31st, 2018. For Adventure number 2, in emulation, the high score is 512,600 by S.Baz on October 30th, 2014. For Adventure number 3, in emulation, the high score is 21,300 by S.Baz on October 30th, 2014. For Adventure number 4, in emulation, the high score is 114,700 by S.Baz on October 30th, 2014, and for Adventure number 6 in emulation, the high score is 81,800, again, by S.Baz on October 30th, 2014. At Twin Galaxies, the high score is 20,063,100 by Charles Adams. On March 2nd, 2017. And no, it's not that Charles Adams. It's actually Swaggers, whom I mentioned before. Also, Twin Galaxies also lists a score of 4,321,300 by James Carter. The Atari Age High Score Club 2015 round number three lists these high scores. 21,354,100 by STIJNDW plus 14 bonus points. Also a score of 4,209,200 by Jeremiah JT, plus 10 bonus points. A score of 3,649,100 by Roadrunner, plus 9 bonus points. A score of 3,455,100 by Darth Kerr, plus 8 bonus points. And a score of 3,159,300 by Mr. Bland, plus 7 bonus points. For your information, one bonus point was awarded for each photo of slime submitted to the high score club at Atari age. My own high score. It is 5,014,500. Level 1 completed on April 24, 2017, the day after my birthday, playing the copy that my wife Lizzie had given me as a birthday gift. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. I gathered a few of the more interesting cheats, hints, and Easter eggs for Todd's adventures in Slime World from Atari age. Here's one about the hidden passageways. When you reach the first exit of what appears to be the end of Adventure 6, Arcade, shoot your gun into the upper right-hand corner of the wall. A part of the wall will disappear, revealing the secret passageway. If you can't continue on, then try shooting at the wall some more. Whenever you find an exit at this level, don't be fooled. It isn't the end of the game. There is always, except for the last exit, number 6, always another hidden passage to the right of it. When you are in this secret area of the game, you find a message only readable from the map screen alluding to the zip popping contest and here are the instructions for the zip popping contest also from atari age a zip popping game can be played by going to the summary screens and then going to the screen where todd is pictured green press option one and you'll see a zip blow it up by hitting the buttons as fast as you can 
This also works in multiplayer mode where it becomes a competition against your opponent. Atari Age also provides directions for invincibility, some various other hints, and cheat codes for different restart stations for the first six levels or adventures of Todd's Adventures in Slime World. I've included a link to Atari Age's complete list of Slime World hints and cheats in the links links. In 2011, Alex Thyssen from the Netherlands, or LX.net as he is known over on Atari Age links forums, posted his circa 1992 hand-drawn copies of the cave maps from the six single-player adventures of Todd's Adventures in Slime World. He posted .png scans of all six maps both on Atari Age and on his blog page, Diary of an Atari Lynx Developer. Unfortunately, the maps are all low-res scans. Still, they should be clear enough to be useful for some players. I've reached out to Alex via Facebook asking if he could provide a link to high-res scans. I'll let you Linksters out there know when I've heard back from him. In the meantime, a link to his blog page post containing the maps can be found in the links links. By the way, Todd's Adventures in Slime World is one of five original release games for the Atari Lynx to include an apostrophe in the title. Can you name the other four? The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. So you want another reason to buy an Atari Lynx? 16-bit action sports. Great sport. You got NFL football, hockey, basketball, baseball heroes. Now Lynx is just $79.99. Lynx has hot arcade hits, Toki, Steel Talons. We've even got pinball jams. Two great big pinball machines jammed into one incredible cart. Hey, for a limited time, Lynx is only $79.99. Over 4,000 colors on the largest portable video screen available. So get your shoes and run to the store. You know you want a Lynx. The most fun you can hold in your hands. Links by Atari. Listen to feedback. I've gotten a whole lot of feedback from many Linksters for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, so let's dive right into it. Facebook comments and messages. After I posted a link on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page promoting the Chips Challenge episode of the Handicast, I received the following comment from Trenton Ray. Loved the Windows 3.x version, only discovered the Lynx version much later in life. After I posted a link on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page promoting the Chips Challenge episode of the Handicast, the game's creator Chuck Somerville posted a smiley face. Thanks so much, Chuck. After I posted a link on the Atari Museum Facebook page promoting the Chips Challenge episode of the Handicast, the following thread appeared. James Catalano. Now if only Ad Games would make an Atari Lynx flashback portable system. And he posted a picture of the Atari VCS flashback portable. Stephanie McKeon. That would be fun. Or at least included a hidden emulator in there for us to put ROMs in. James Catalano responded, Yep, the Atari Lynx library is so limited. At Games could put all of Atari Lynx's releases in the unit and just include a SD card slot to be able to play Battle Wheels. And he posted a picture of the front of the Lynx Battle Wheels carton. William Culver wrote, A Lynx flashback unit would be a home run if At Games would do it. And Nick Thiel said, Got two working consoles for $0 two months ago. Yay! And he posted a photo of his two Lynx 1 consoles. Frankie Vitorello wrote, Anybody who loves the Lynx needs to get their screen McWill modded. It's the most gorgeous upgrade imaginable. Sharp, crisp, blur-free colors. If you thought the games looked and played excellent before, there's no comparison to a Lynx with a McWill mod and the retro HQ flash card. 
He posted three photos of his McWill modded Lynx 2 displaying scenes from Blue Lightning. And William Culver wrote back, Worth every penny. I love my McWill screen modded Lynx. Then after I posted a link on the Atari Age Facebook page promoting the Chips Challenge episode of the Handicast, I received the following comment from Ivar de Gafau. And sorry if I'm messing up your name there, Ivar. I am so badly addicted to that game. After I posted links on the Atari Lynx fans Facebook page promoting the Chips Challenge episode of the Handicast, I received the following comment from John McQueen, in-house game reviewer at AtariGamer.com. A great Handicast as always. The potato chip ads were hilarious. A terrific listen. And I responded, thanks John, and keep your insightful reviews coming please. John McQueen also posted the following on the recent reviews and recommendations section of Facebook. If you're interested in the Atari Lynx, this is the podcast for you. Informative, educational, funny, and comprehensive. Each Lynx game gets reviewed and explored every episode. Plus, interesting interviews are interspersed across the podcast, as well as listener feedback. Always worth the listen. And I responded, thanks so much for the plug, John. And please keep those great and informative Lynx game reviews and articles coming on AtariGamer.com, too. Also on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page, in response to the photo I posted of my new Zaku cartridge, carton, and manual, Julian Parcell asked, Are companies still making Lynx games? I responded with this reply, Yes, both small independent companies and also individuals are creating new and often very imaginative original games for the Lynx, even today. Generally, they're called homebrews. If you are interested, I would suggest that you check out the AtariGamer.com games database and I provided a link to it. That site has information on all 71 of the games released during the console's lifetime, roughly 1989 to 1993, including the variations of those games, and also information on many aftermarket and homebrew titles that have been released since. Zaku actually was originally released by Super Fighter Team in 2009, but there have been limited re-releases of Zaku since then, including the most recent re-release just in this past month which is how I got my copy. Hope this info helps. Smiley face. After I posted a link on the Atari Age Facebook page with yours truly holding up the Slime World carton and sporting a goofy look on my face in a silly attempt to solicit feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, I received the following comment from Ryan G. Sees. Loved that game. Was the only Lynx game I ever beat. After I posted a link on the Atari Lynx fans, all uppercase, Facebook page soliciting feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, I received the following comment from Colin Hunt. Spent hours playing that game with my son. Great fun and a great example of how to implement different multiplayer options. I also received the following comment on the same page from Kevin Hart. Love this and still have a blast playing it now. After I posted a link on the Atari Lynx fans Facebook page, all lowercase, the one started by Igor Cronin of AtariGamer.com, soliciting feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, I received the following comment from Cliff Huxtable. I submitted a bunch of thoughts. Snot. That joke almost rhymed with slime. After trudging through all those oozing levels, you have to take Todd liver oil. Don't stay on the green or you'll turn red. Splat. Double dare. Nickelodeon. Slime. Got it. I also received the following comment on the same page from Gidge Mahler. A while ago, there was an ad on a Dutch site for Slime World. The seller sold it as very rare because it was the red version. All the slime in the game is red. What's true about that? Is there a red version? I responded, not heard of a red-only version of the game. Perhaps as Link's console had screen issues? By the way, if any of my listeners know anything about this strange Slime World cart, 
please let me know so that I can share it on the Handycast. After I posted a link on the Atari History Group Facebook page soliciting feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, I received the following comment from Gary Carnucci. Beautiful game. Plays nice with great graphics. There we go. Above Rampart. I knew one of the pics had it. And he posted two photos of his Lynx console and his game collection. And I said, nice collection. Also, Kieran Hawken of the Laird's Lair YouTube channel and a contributor to the excellent UK Retro Gamer magazine directed me via a comment on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page to his article in issue number 164 from February of 2017 of Retro Gamer in which he looks at the history of Todd's adventures in Slime World, including its development and success as an early Lynx game. It helped me out greatly in researching this episode, and I can't thank Kieran enough for alerting me to his article. Cheers, mate. And that about covers Facebook feedback. Now on to Twitter. Twitter, tweets and messages. Cujo at 86Cujo commented on the tweet I posted about episode 09, Chips Challenge, being available by saying, Good chips, chat. Thanks so much, Cujo. I got a few comments about my tweet soliciting feedback for this episode, again using the same goofy photo of me holding the game carton beginning with veteran Epics and Atari Music and Sound Engineer Alex Rudis, who tweeted, Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Yes, especially multiplayer. Signed, a fan, smiley face. Atari Gamer continued the thread by saying, You know this game feels so much better on the original screens. Playing it on McWill doesn't feel right. It's an awesome game, however. Alex commented back, Interesting. It feels laggy to you? For what it's worth, the shipped Genesis version is a bit laggy. IMVHO, in my very honest opinion, on that platform, it makes the gameplay feel a bit more, er, uh, mucusy? Atari Gamer responded, Not laggy, it's just the look. On McWill screens, it feels too crisp and lacking character. On the old original screens, it feels like decay and slime is all around you, and that gives you much more character. Alex responded with a colon capital D. Grumpmeister left his feedback in two tweets on Twitter. Todd's Adventures in Slime World was one of my favorite games on the Lynx as a kid, and I'm currently looking into speedrunning it. It may go against the conventions of most Atari games, but it feels like the game is pretty well suited for it. While I'm starting with the easy adventure, it'll be fun to look for the most optimal route while optimizing item pickups, timing jumps, rushing through some enemies using slime shields, etc. I see quite some potential at least. Atari Age Comments and Messages Looking at Atari Age comments and messages, in response to my post on the Atari Age Lynx forum announcing that episode 09 Chips Challenge was available, I received a comment from David Calgary 29 who said, Love the subjects so far. Let me know when you're planning to do a list of Lynx games that we love to hate. I love to nominate Ninja Gaiden 3, Gordo 106, and Hyperdrome. And in response to my post on the Atari Age Lynx forum soliciting feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, I received a comment from PFG9000. Slime World was probably my favorite Lynx title. When I bought it as a kid, I was expecting a simple, level-based platformer, so I was surprised to find such a unique, expansive, explorative world. My first impulse was to compare it to Metroid, and to this day I see those comparisons pop up in reviews but it's actually very different from Metroid in terms of gameplay, although both games have you exploring labyrinthine underground caves on a foreign planet. I think Slime World is one of those titles that gets written off by some who don't put much time into it. But there is a ton of game to enjoy there if you give it a chance. Each of the six areas has a different theme, goal, style, and look. I've finished all but the sixth, 
as there is no way to know where the snappers are under the ground, and restarting from the beginning each time due to a cheap death just wasn't that fun to me. And Area 6 actually has something like six different exits, each hidden behind a super secret door. Shoot a wall to reveal the door. My favorite area is 3 because it's got those special quote boss rooms with the four giant enemies and the slime fountain that appears when you kill them. I was not expecting that the first time I stumbled in there. There's also the hidden zip popping challenge minigame. Simple gross fun. And David Calgary responded to PFG9000 by saying, I completely agree. I've read multiple reviews ranking it at best as a mid-tier Lynx release and keep thinking that I can't possibly have been playing the same game all of these years. It was one of the first four games I bought for my Lynx in 1990 and much to my surprise I logged many hours on it before Clax and Scrapyard Dog came along. It's also my number one pick for Lynx Game Most Improved by McWill Award. The visuals were always notable but they really glow on a McWilled unit. I also received some feedback for Slime World on Atari Age from user Turbo Laser Links. Hey, thanks for keeping doing these. I really enjoyed the interview episode and I'm in the middle of listening to the other episodes. Here's my opinion on Todd's adventures in Slime World. There's a lot of variation trying all the different game modes and in my opinion it has perhaps the most fun use of the Atari Lynx hardware sprite scaling. The pulsating slime levels and creatures are amazing and stretching clouds the stretching and moving slime waterfalls, etc. Very unique looking game thanks to this. One of a kind, really, still today. They also managed to make the whole world pulsate just enough because this kind of thing could easily be very distracting. I can't even play the Mega Drive version because the static world isn't able to immerse me in comparison to the living and moving Lynx version of the Slime World. Slime World would have to be my favorite Lynx game because it's so uniquely Lynx and the gameplay is really great too. You can really get immersed in that world. It's a 10 out of 10 game, smiley face. I'd like to quote Juggernaut from his Lynx Top 25 video. Slime World on the Lynx is a life-sucking experience. Colon capital D. Glad you're enjoying the Handicast Turbo Laser Lynx and thanks for your feedback on Todd's Adventures in Slime World. It's nice to know that it's your favorite Lynx game too. It's certainly one of my faves. And I guess like me, you spend a lot of time playing this game. So, so since it really is a life-sucking experience, Slime World must be considered to be a time vampire title in the truest sense of the word. Thanks again, Turbo Laser Lynx. Emails. Moving on to emails, I received an email from the aforementioned John McQueen, game reviewer extraordinaire at AtariGamer.com. Here's what he wrote about Todd's adventures in Slime World. Hey Mark, I wrote a recommendation for this podcast. Keep up the great work. Slime World Memories. This is the first second-hand game I bought for the Lynx many years ago. The box was broken, but I could see the graphics on the back of it, and it looked a little like the original Duke Nukem platform games. Nothing can prepare you for the grotesque visuals of this game. It was hilarious to progress through it. Blasting the monsters and having the mucus and sludge thrown all over Todd's crisp blue suit. Disgusting. My favorite level was the mushroom hunting level, where you have to pick mushrooms before the whole planet explodes. The animation of the smoking background in this level is absolutely outstanding. One hint to share, blasting monsters while standing in water pools is the closest thing to invincibility, or using a slime shield. And I'd be interested to know if anyone found that room in Slime World with the four huge slime monster bosses 
and a strange red and white X symbol in the middle of the room. If you shoot the X symbol enough times, it shoots slime all over the place and sinks into the ground. Definitely the craziest slime world room I found amongst many. Terrific game this one, and it was interesting to see it got several ports to other systems. As far as I've heard, and from the comparisons I've made graphically, the Lynx appears to be the best version. That's not the first time a Lynx game has been superior to other ports. Cheers, John. Thanks, John. I really appreciate your shout-out for the Handicast. Thanks so much. Also, I like that Slime World was the first second-hand game you ever bought for your Lynx. As it turns out, when I began collecting Lynx games early in 2017, I knew that Slime World was one I wanted to get. I'd heard so many good things about it. So back when my collection consisted of only about five games, my wife Lizzie, who also knew I wanted it, got a copy for me for my birthday. I must have played that game for a couple of hours straight, getting through two levels in one sitting, which is something I rarely do. Anyway, thanks so much for your feedback, John, and cheers to you too, mate. I also got an email from Jimmy. Here's what he had to say. Hey there. Wanted to get in touch with you and share some of my memories of the Atari Lynx. In your last episode, a guy mentioned how everyone should try to do recorded submissions. But being from Texas and living in the country most of my life, I have a bad country drawl, so I would not want to punish your listeners' ears with my voice. Smiley face. I have always been a fan of Atari. Being born in 1967, I grew up during the 2600s reign as king of the video games and owned one. Never had a 5200 and always wanted the 7800, but never got one. Years later, I heard Atari was back with the system, and this one was a handheld unit. When I saw it, it was so big compared to the other two portables out at the time, so I never got one. A little later, I got married, but that did not go very well, and after a few months, we were separated and looking for an annulment. I had to move out and ended up living with a co-worker's friend. All I had were my clothes and a few personal items to my name. I know this is a downer now, but it, this does get better. Being alone like that, I decided to check out the handheld games at Electronic Boutique. They had the Game Boy, Game Gear, and Lynx. I noticed the Lynx was a remodeled design, and I loved the look. I bought that with California Games and Kicks. The Lynx also had a special mail-in offer for Batman Returns for free. I sent off for that and waited for it to come in. I enjoyed the Lynx, and it helped me get through some nights when I had not much to do. The Lynx will always have a special place in my heart because it was my release from reality when I needed it most. At that time, I ended up with the games California Games, Kicks, Batman Returns, Red Baron, Blue Lightning, Kung Fu, Awesome Golf, Lynx Casino, Pac-Land, Todd's Adventures in Slime World, Robotron 2084, and Rampart. I also had a large case and the power supply. Later on, many years later, when I needed the money, I sold it so I could pay bills. I really hated doing that. Today, I now own three Lynx Series 2 and only three cartridges, but I'm about to start trying to build up my collection. One Lynx has a few pixel issues, and I might decide to McWillet if I can. I also have the multi-cart from Saint at Atari Age, so I can play the ROMs and find out what games I actually would like, and then start pursuing those games for my collection. I will write more later to talk about specific games. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to some more podcast episodes from you. Jimmy. And I wrote back, Hi Jimmy, thanks so much for taking time to send me your personal experiences with the links. It does my heart good to hear new voices, even in email form, on the Atari Lynx Handicast. And I really appreciate you sharing your memories. And please, don't worry about any Texas drawl. 
I was born and live in Georgia, and sometimes my accent makes an unwanted appearance on the podcast, but I just let it go. So record away if you'd like. I like your story about your experience with gaming systems back in the day, even though it started out sad. And I am glad it got better for you, though, and that eventually you were able to amass a sizable collection of Lynx games. By the way, I think the game Red Baron that you're referring to may actually be the game Warbirds, a game I'll be covering three episodes from now. And, like yourself, I know lots of former Lynx owners who had to sell or get rid of their collections for one reason or another in the past, and whom are once again trying to rebuild them. Sounds like you're well on your way, Jimmy, with three Lynxes. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Getting the McWill mod done is definitely worth it. You will be amazed. Please keep in touch, Jimmy, and thanks again for your very welcome feedback. Last but not least, I received some feedback about Todd's Adventures in Slime World from Eugenio, or TrekMD on Twitter and Atari Age. Here's what he wrote. Hello, Mark. I hope all is well. Just finished listening to the Chips Challenge episode, and I wanted to first thank you for helping promote the RVG Forum. It is a smaller community, but it is a nice and friendly place. As for your question of where my closing phrase comes from, well, I'm a Star Trek fan, so going to the final frontier comes from that. The gaming part, that I added for what should be obvious reasons. Smiley face. So how about I give you some feedback for today's game? In Todd's Adventures in Slime World, the player controls the titular character as he searches for gems in a world full of slime. Todd is a galactic explorer who is not afraid to get his hands, his legs, his face, and his body dirty with slime found in the caves deep inside the planet. Of course, things are never so simple as Todd will need to deal with slimy and revolting creatures like maggots, blobs, blodflies, and drools in his search for gems. As if that weren't enough, Todd may not be the only explorer in the caves, and he must compete with others if he wants to make it to one of the escape capsules. Todd's Adventures in Slime World is a cool platformer for the links that involves action, shooting, and even some puzzle aspects because of how some areas have to be navigated. The game can be played alone or using the Comlinks cable for a multiplayer experience. This is something I've done, but I can imagine the craziness of having to compete with other players in order to find the one escape capsule. The computer map is something you have to use to avoid getting lost, and you certainly have to be attentive given all the dangers you can face. This is one large game that will take some time to complete. Todd's Adventures in Slime World has nice, colorful graphics, good animation, as well as good sound effects. Definitely a cool game to play, and one not to be underestimated. Going to the final frontier, gaming, Eugenio. Thank you for your feedback, Eugenio. I agree with all of your points about Slime World, especially regarding the colorful graphics and catchy sound effects. Also, thanks for your praise of the last episode of the Handicast. Feedback, good or bad, is always welcome, as it helps me to know how to make the Handicast better for my listeners. And thanks also for cluing me in on your gaming final frontier sign-offs. I'm a Trekkie from way back, so I should have made the connection myself. In any case... Thanks as always for your feedback. It's always great to hear from you. And that's it for emails from the Handicast. Now let me move on to audio submissions. Audio submissions. I've received two audio submissions for Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The first one I received was a first-time audio submission from Bobby Tribble. Here are his thoughts on Todd's Adventures in Slime World. The definitive Comlinks game, 8 Players. I didn't even know 8 people that owned an Atari Lynx. Uh, let alone also a copy of Slime World. And uh, I can't imagine getting them all together at once. 
to arrange a multiplayer game like this. But it was still kind of a dream of mine. Uh, back in the days of the Lynx, uh, which also coincided with the early days of the internet, I uh, tried to get people together for Comlinks games with something I called the Atari Link Directory. <laughs> and I did an internet search and backups of the Atari Link Directory are still embarrassingly available if anybody wants to search <laughs> at different dates of backup. Excuse my clicking here. This one's uh, August 1999. Uh, this one is March 1995. That's a backup from alt.games.links, the news group. And uh, even earlier than that, one is dated December 31st, 1994. So apparently I was updating this thing on New Year's Eve with a listing of uh, also Jaguar, Jaguar and Lynx owners, uh, with the idea that people would give me their name and email address and location, and other people could look them up and shoot them an email if they wanted to get together to play. Uh, I don't know if this was actually successful. If anybody did make new friends this way, I would be very interested to hear about it. I was the keeper of the list and did meet one person, Brian Osserman. He was a nice guy, and we got together to play once. And um, if you're out there, Brian, shoot me an email and say hi. My email is on the uh, Atari Link directory. It's not. That's way out of date by now. So I'm a bit disorganized with the submission, mostly because I want to get it in before the deadline, but I'm not caught up with the show yet. I'm only up to California Games, episode 6. But I had to mention a world's colliding moment when I heard the audio submission from Artie Reynolds of WrestleCrap.com, of all people. I uh, have been following his webpage since it started and listening to his podcast up to current day, and I don't recall him ever talking about the Lynx. So it's really surprising that he is a huge Lynx fan, apparently. Uh, very cool to hear that and cool to hear him uh, giving a submission. So, RD, if you want to join the Atari Link directory, maybe I can revive that. Uh, we can get a multiplayer game of Slime World going sometime. I know you have a lot of friends, like uh, Angry Jim Ross, Midnight Rose. Maybe we can get all of them together and get an eight-player game going. What do you say? Okay, okay, anyway, so let's talk about the game itself. I haven't really had a chance to play recently, but what I remember was, as usual, being in my room with the AC adapter plugged in the wall, uh, plugging away at this game for hours, exploring huge mazes um, that didn't seem to ever reach an end. I only really got through the easy level, and I went pretty far into the other levels and never saw the end. So I uh, was very impressed by just the scale of these giant mazes, and also just the look of the game. I really liked how the walls pulsated, and it really drove home that you're walking through some type of alien slime cave. The other thing that stuck out in my memory is how Todd gets damaged and turns very slowly more and more green, which I don't remember really seeing in even home consoles. The really good use of color and scaling effects on a handheld system, the Lynx. So um, the other thing that I remember in the game is being scared to death by one of those floor chompers. I think that's the first time I really experienced a jump scare in a game. <laughs> so, and I don't like jump scares, uh, including there, but it really made me proceed slowly and carefully after that. 
So I looked up Slime World on Wikipedia and it was labeled Metroidvania, which I don't think really does this game credit because I think of Metroidvania as kind of exploration, but you gain a new skill or weapon which unlocks a new area. And that's really not what happens in Slime World. You use your own skills and uh, observation to uh, map out the world and see maybe a jump you need to make or a wall that looks suspicious that you could walk through and that's how you explore. So I don't think it's a Metroidvania myself. So I haven't had much chance to play video games recently, mostly because of a lack of time, but there is a co-worker that owns a Lynx, hi Garrett, and we played some Slime World and it was fun for me to uh, reacquaint myself with the game. He'd never played it before, so it wasn't the most amazing game, but I'm looking forward definitely to playing it again and getting a more in-depth play session going. I love the box artwork for Slime World 2. The artist only did the artwork for a few other Atari games that I know of, 7800 Basket Brawl and 7800 Ikari Warriors. Does anybody know who this is? So I feel like I should wrap this up, put a bow on it. Uh, from a rating of one to five stars, uh, Slime World's a four, which equates to it will definitely eat your lunch. Thanks so much, Bobby, for your thoughts on Slime World. You had a lot of great memories, and I really appreciate you sharing them. I especially like that you tried to link up fellow Lynx players back in the Ferg through a news group. What a phenomenal idea. I really hope you or I hear from maybe a visitor to your news group who was successful in hooking up with another Lynx player for some calm Lynxing action. I also liked hearing that you know and follow R.D. Reynolds and that you were surprised to find that he was a Lynxster too. And I'd be interested to know how you were able to find out that the carton cover artist for Slime World also did carton cover art for the 7800 games Basket Brawl and Akari Warriors. I don't know who that artist was. In fact, I have very little info on any of the carton cover artists for Atari Lynx games. Finally, your review of what you like about Slime World itself, the pulsating walls and the floor chomper, by which I think you mean the hidden snapper, which gets me every time. I love that you're still playing games on the Lynx with your co-worker. I know very few people locally who own a Lynx, so you're lucky. Thank you again, Bobby, for your feedback. It was fun to listen to. And I hope you send in some more of your memories in future episodes of The Handicast. And I've got an audio submission from Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what Shinto said about his experience with Todd's adventures in Slime World. As a parent, you tend to try out all kinds of carrot and or stick approaches with your kids to try to mold them into responsible, well-behaved, and productive members of society. I just recently started a program incentivizing my kids with Saturday morning cartoons, streaming things like Animaniacs and Pink Panther on Hulu, Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera cartoons on Boomerang. So far, so good. In the beginning of the 90s, though, the incentive my mom offered to me and my brother involved Lynx games. One game every month provided certain conditions were met, and one of the very first months of this incentive program, my mom walked into Toys R Us to buy us a Lynx game, and the game she picked out was Afterburner 2. If you're thinking, wait, that's not a Lynx game at all, you'd be right. See, Toys R Us had a ticket system for buying games. There were flaps along the shelves where you could see the front and back of a box, and if that's the game you wanted, you pulled a paper ticket out of the pouch 
and took that up to the checkout counter. There were rows and rows of these flaps, and they were organized by game console. A banner running along the top told you which console the game was for. And the afterburner flap was somewhat apart from the other Lynx games, but still located under the Lynx banner, so my mom figured that this was a Lynx game. She picked it out because the graphics looked really good. But when the kid working the pickup cage handed her the box, she realized that this wasn't a Lynx game at all, so she went back and picked out another game, an actual Lynx game, called Todd's Adventures in Slime World. When she gave us the Lynx cartridge, she told us that story about the Afterburner game in the wrong section and how impressed she was with the Genesis game's graphics. After plugging in Slime World and giving it a quick try, I showed her the intro sequence where you go in for a landing on the surface and said, see, these graphics are really good too. And they are. I love this game, Slime World. Let me just get that out of the way. When it comes to the video game critic and his reviews, I probably disagree with this one the most. I won't get into a point-by-point argument or anything, but I'll just say that my opinion and experience with this game is the polar opposite of his. In fact, I'd give this one a Hall of Fame rating on the No Swear Gamer scale. This is one of my top Lynx games. The gameplay mechanics and graphical flourish really sell this one for me. Water is your greatest ally, plain old water. It's your weapon and it's your medkit, in effect. There's no need for a separate health gauge anywhere on the screen because you are your own health gauge. The greener you are, the closer you are to death. Pretty simple. Stand in water to scrub yourself clean. When you fall a huge distance, your character looks like he's yelling out. And once you land, it takes a few super squishy steps to get moving again. No falling damage here at all. I like the animation when you pull out your computer map, the dripping slime in the far background, and the sparkles when you pick up a slime gem, because the sparkles, I think, add a nice contrast to all the green goop around you. The sound effects are good, too. The visceral sting of the slime as it hits you, the vibrating hum of your slime shields, the cries of the monsters, and the countless musical cues that change as you move from room to room. There's probably a finite number, but I never actually counted. The levels are huge, gigantic. My brother and I, we tried to speculate how big this cartridge had to be in order to store the entire Slime World game, all the different maps. And we were using the 5 megabyte hard drive on our dad's computer as a basis of comparison. Surely this game had to take up more than 5 megabytes. Look how big these levels are. And that's on a little Lynx game cart, not a giant whirring box plugged into the computer. That's how awesome the Lynx is. But no, not only is the game smaller than 5 megabytes, as it turns out, you could fit Slime World on a single floppy disk several times over. There was much we didn't understand about this sort of thing at the time. Doesn't make the Lynx any less awesome, though. I spent a lot of time in the slimy depths of this squishy, disgusting planet. It could be cozy for a while, you know, fun to explore and map out, but before too long I would feel claustrophobic with an almost primal drive to escape, to reach the surface again, to get out of this wretched place. There was an anthology horror show on TV airing around this time, a show called Monsters, And one of the episodes, entitled The Hole, took place during the Vietnam War. American soldiers go into a Viet Cong tunnel system and can't find their way back out. Even digging straight up, they just reach another layer of the tunnel. It traps them forever. Also, there are zombies. But 
That really stuck with me, that episode, even to this day. Not the zombie part, the trapped-under-the-surface-unable-to-escape part. So, playing Slime World back then, it was definitely fresh in my mind and gave me, let's call it, severe motivation to complete these levels, and a huge sense of satisfaction when I did so. I was able to finish most of them, too, the single-player levels, at least, Five out of the six, if I remember correctly. I got so good at the first level that I could breeze through it no problem. A speedrun, if speedrunning was a thing back then. I knew where everything was. When I would show the game off to somebody for the first time, I'd head straight to the slime waterfall, spewing gobs of green nastiness just to watch my audience squirm. Yeah, I was a great human being back then, 14 years old. The controls work well, good use of option one and option two buttons, the video game critic apparently didn't know about using option 2 to cycle between items in the inventory, reading his review, but I thought the inventory system was good. I liked being able to jump and grab onto the ledges to pull myself up, and I liked that there were hidden areas that you could find. Slime World was one of the top games that I always wanted to try out in multiplayer mode under Comlinks. It sounded pretty awesome to have company down there in the gooey depths. But we never got a second copy of the game. That is, not until last year when my daughter got me a Slime World card with manual for my birthday. We only played it for a few minutes, though, so this is another one that I'd like to get some more time into. I'm sure I'll personally never see eight players linked up with Slime World, but two or three might be doable. About a year ago, I was talking to my mom, and I don't know how the subject came up, but I mentioned how much it meant to me that she would go out and pick out a Lynx game for her sons every month or so. She was surprised I remembered. We parents, we try out so many things, we have no way of knowing what'll stick with the kids and what won't, but Atari was and continues to be a big part of what makes me, me, so yeah, I'm gonna remember that. Wow, Shinto, thanks for that trip down memory lane. First of all, first of all, I love that your mom incentivized Lynx games to encourage you to do your chores and your homework. And I can readily understand why she was confused when she went to buy Afterburner for you at Toys R Us. As you probably know, I worked at the late great Toys R Us from 1984 to 88. It was before the Lynx came along, I know, but most of those years I worked in the, what was called the security department, which was what Toys R Us called the computer and game section of the store. Among other things, I was responsible at my store for putting up those clear plastic envelopes and takeaway cards, topped with colorful graphics of the games they represented, whenever a new game or software arrived for a given system. Trouble was, you could only get about 24 of those display envelopes, 8 across and 3 down if I remember correctly, in a given 4-foot section of wall space, not counting the appropriate game system graphic or sign that was above. No doubt the Lynx section at Toys R Us only took up four feet or less of space, given its relatively small library. And since space was likely at a premium, as it is in any retail, I wouldn't be surprised if some game display envelopes for a system other than the Lynx didn't bleed over, to the left or to the right, into the space below the four-foot Lynx wall sign. My guess is that the afterburner card your mom picked up might have been at the beginning, alphabetically, of the Commodore Amiga section, or possibly even the Commodore 64 section. And when she discovered her mistake, she moved to the left a little under the Lynx sign to pull a card for Todd's Adventures in Slime World, which would have been placed alphabetically at or near the end of the cards for Lynx games. Hmm. I wonder why she didn't pick up Xenophobe, which would have been out at the same time, too. Maybe you and your brother already had that game. 
Anyway, I'm glad that you ended up with a game that you really like to this day. Hall of Famer, huh? And I also hope that you get to Comlinks with your daughter very soon for some slimy action on the links. Thanks for your feedback, Shinto. And as always, I encourage all of my Handicast listeners out there to be sure to listen to Shinto's Jaguar Game by Game podcast. You'll be glad that you did. Well, I hope that's enough listener feedback for Todd's Adventures in Slime World for everyone. I hope so, because I'm done. Thank you to everyone who took the time to contribute their thoughts and memories about the game. I really, really appreciate it. Wrapping it up. Okay, everyone, that about wraps up Todd's Adventures in Slime World. I hope that's enough gooey slime for you. In fact, if you want to take some time to step out of the room to hose yourself off after this episode, please feel free to do so. I really hope everyone enjoyed my coverage of this one-of-a-kind game. I had a lot of fun putting the episode together, even though it did require a lot of toweling off. Just kidding. And if you haven't already figured it out by now, besides Todd's Adventures in Slime World, the only other original release games for the Atari Lynx to include an apostrophe in the title are Chip's Challenge, which I covered in episode 09, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, coming up in episode 47, Hard Driving, coming up in episode 25, and Jimmy Connors' Tennis, which is coming up in episode 55. In the next episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast, I'll be covering the final game developed by Epix for the Lynx, Zarlor Mercenary, a fantastic vertical shooter, if I do say so myself. So if you have any feedback for episode 11, Zarlor Mercenary, please try to get that feedback submitted to me as soon as possible so that I can include it in the episode. You can just listen to the ending credits of this episode where Monty will tell you how and where to submit it. And episodes of The Handicast coming up after Zarlor Mercenary are Episode 12, Clax, Episode 13, Warbirds, Episode 14, Kicks, or Quicks if you prefer, Episode 15, Basket Brawl, and Episode 16, Robo Squash. Join me then, won't you? Until then, keep on linksing. Thanks are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Intermission, Intermission 2, Cruisin', and The Road Goes On, Fields and Strings, and The Void, all by Ian Sutherland. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerby of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerby have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. 
she has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. That's nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handycast is a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbacknetwork.com. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review of the Atari Lynx Handycast on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. You can also find the Atari Lynx Handycast on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on TuneIn. While you're at it, be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handycast website at atarilynxhandycast.net. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. And you can visit the Atari Lynx Handycast blog page at atarilynxhandycast.blogspot.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Atari Lynx Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handycast. And you can follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Twitter. Just search on Twitter for Lynx Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episode of the Atari Lynx Handycast. You can also provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. And you can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at, mark, at, atarilynxhandycast.net. Thank you, for listening to this episode, of the Atari Lynx Handycast. This is Montague Habersham, wishing you a good evening. The bottom of page through. The bottom of page through. And there is a graphic of plummeting gobs of green glue. And there is a graphic of a. Todd's Adventures. Todd's Adventures in Slime Worlds. By, by S-T-I-J-N-D-W at, by S-T, by Stigen W. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.